Last week we were talking about the wisdom of God and I want to continue with it, but I want us to pray for a minute. I want us to pray. I know the Spirit of God is already here, so I, um, I know he's going to speak to us. The reason I know he's here is because the Bible says where two or three are gathered in his name, he's right there in the midst of them. So I know he's already here. But I want you to pray for yourself this morning. Pray that the Holy Spirit will open the eyes of your understanding to receive his word. That, you know, the word will not just come in and go out in one ear. That the word will do something new in your life. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, we gather at the feet of Jesus. We gather around the table. The Bible says that you prepare a table before us in the presence of our enemies. You have anointed our head with oil. Our cup runs over. You said surely, without a doubt, definitely, most assuredly, goodness and mercy will follow us all the days of our lives and we will dwell in the house of the Lord forever and ever amen and so father we receive your presence Holy Spirit do your thing teach us Speak through me. Let my tongue be like the pen of a ready writer. In the name of Jesus. Heavenly Father, I pray that with this word will come miracles, a turnaround in the lives of your people. For those of us who need healing, that there will be a completion of healing with Jesus started and finished on the cross. For those of us who need promotion, that you will promote us. For those of us who need a moving forward, you'll move us forward. For those of us who need a breakthrough, we will get our breakthrough. For lying within each word you speak, Father, is the power to accomplish all you said you can do. Show up, Lord, and show out in our lives, in our families. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Last week we were talking about wisdom, and I'm going to continue on that trend today. Wisdom. Last week we spoke about creating an atmosphere in which we can download the wisdom of God. That's what we did last week. Do we have the youth meeting today? Okay, so make sure you get the CD. Very important that you get the CD. God bless you. Last week we spoke about creating an atmosphere for downloading the wisdom of God. And the most important component we spoke about was what last week? What was it that we said you had to have in your life, in your home, for you to be able to bring in the wisdom of God. What was that thing we spoke about right through last service? 
I'm not going to remind you. I'm going to let you remind me. What was it? Peace. Who knows the meaning of Solomon's name? Solomon. What does Solomon mean? Peace. Peace. The man of peace. A man of rest. Actually, the name literally means peaceable. Peaceable. Amen. That is, he who promotes peace. And we said that in the time of Solomon, Israel became a superpower, and there has not been any other time since the time of Solomon or before that Israel had such prominence on the world stage. And they never fought one war in the whole time that Solomon was a king. So it's not by fighting and it's not by determining what your boundaries are through force. It's just God said, I want peace. And God made sure there was peace and there was wealth like Israel had never known before. So we know that peace is a prerequisite for God pouring his wisdom into your life. We know that, don't we? Okay. So if you were not here, try and kind of listen to what we did last week. It's important, especially for homes and families. So important. People who are about to get married, cultivate this in your courtship before you get married. I know courtship seems like a very ancient word now, but it's still courtship. <laughs> I know it's called dating, but there's more to getting ready for marriage than dating. You actually start to need to start to prepare for what your home is going to look like. For those who are newly married, I want to say again, prepare and cultivate the atmosphere of peace in your home. For those who are not, um, you know, like married but have relationships, for you to grow, cultivate peace. And we've already said that without peace, it's hard to experience the wisdom of God. Then above all, within yourself, cultivate that ability to just rest. Amen. And it's not through yoga or meditation. It's just a, um, a desire to be peaceful. And when things are all agitating around you, have a way of getting, staying peaceful, restful within you. The Bible says in quietness and in confidence shall your strength be. Your strength comes from an inner quietness and rest. And it has nothing to do with your personality. I know some of us ha have hot personalities. I said if I had come as a Caucasian, I would have been a redhead. I, I totally believe that. Because... <laughs> I don't even want to go there. Hmm. But the man who married me knows exactly what I'm talking about. If I had come as a Caucasian, I would have been a redhead. Because I, I could do, I just fly off the handle just like, it's like, no, 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 you don't you be messing with me. But then I had to learn that that's not how God expects us to live. You didn't need to wind me up once or twice. You just, you just need to touch my, my little toe. <laughs> and you will see me in all my glory. And my whole family growing up knew me. And my grandmother, my late grandmother, my paternal grandmother was like that. She was very fiery. And no one in our family, extended family and so on, no one wanted to, you know, touch her. No one wanted to cross her. She was very loving, very caring, but no one wanted to touch her. And no, if she was mad, nobody could stand her down except me. They said, go call Tinu. 
And I will look at her and say, Mama, what, what are you doing? Stop that nonsense now. And she'll look at me, how can you talk to me? I said, talk to me. What's going on? You know, I was the only one because we both had the same temperament. It was, it was, now I used to feel real proud of it. It's like, you can't get one over me. But after a while, I realized the wisdom of God doesn't flow through that. It didn't matter too much in my father's house when I was not married because well, everyone just knew that's how she is. Just don't cross her, just leave her alone. When I got married, though, it was kind of different because you just can't keep a home together that way. <laughs> and I didn't know it was being argumentative. I just thought it was, you know, I just thought I was just expressing myself. <laughs> but again, I tell you, April 9 will be 25 years. I have learned that it doesn't work that way. <laughs> and to grow, jokes aside, to grow in your family and to invite the prosperity of God into your family. And for you personally to have increase, promotion in your life, you have to cultivate a life of peace. I don't care what's going on at work, anywhere, your family, your siblings. and You know, there's some siblings that just know how to press the last nerve, the, the very last one, the one you never touch. They know it because they grew up with you in your home. Now you are married, everybody is in their homes, but they know the exact one. And at first, the way I used to interact with such siblings was I'll just not call them. I just, I said, because they're just going to bring the carnality out of me. I'm just, I'm <laughs> just not going to call them. Until then, I had to grow up. I said, come on now, you're a woman of God. You can handle this. You know, so whatever is going on, insist that the peace of God guards your heart. Because then you can download the wisdom of God. Amen. Today, I want us to talk about the wisdom of God, engaging the wisdom of God in the marketplace. I am very passionate about this because I have my regular nine-to-five job, so I kind of walk, you know, outside of our church like almost all of us do, so I can relate to what I'm talking to you about. How to engage the wisdom of God in the marketplace or in your workplace. That's what I want us to talk about today. Let's look at Solomon and King David going right back again to where we started last week. I want this to be a little bit more intimate. I kind of watched the video from last week and I said, hmm, that doesn't look too good. Okay, so I'm coming down here and I want us to talk about this like we were in our living room with whoever's, let's take uh, Sister Lavita's living room because she has a gorgeous one. And it's her birthday today, she and her twin, so let's use her today. We're, let's all imagine that we're in that wonderful living room of yours and we have an intimate um, time together. And let's talk about it, Solomon and King David. Remember we said that David wanted to build a temple. What did God tell David? What did he say? You have too much blood on your hands. You've killed too many people. You've been in too many wars. I don't want a bloody man to build me a temple. But it wasn't that God was saying David was not good. He just, did, he just wanted somebody of peace. And then he told him, look, you're going to have a son. You're going to name that son Solomon. And when you name him Solomon, it means peaceable. He will be a man 
of rest. That's one will build my temple. So God already told him the reason why and did give him a son, and they named the son Solomon, and Solomon was charged to build a temple. Now let's go to 1 Chronicles 22, 7, and 10, and we're going to talk a little bit about how this all came about. 1 Chronicles 22, 7 to 10. And David said to Solomon, My son, as for me, it was in my mind to build a house unto the name of the Lord my God. But the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Thou hast shed blood abundantly and hast made great wars. Thou shalt not build a house unto my name, because thou hast shed much blood upon the earth in my sight. Behold, a son shall be born to thee, who shall be a man of rest, and I will give him rest from all his enemies round about, for his name shall be Solomon, and I will give peace and quietness unto Israel in his days. So we've established that God needs an absolute atmosphere of quietness and rest for him to do his best work in your life. Not that he can't walk through agitation and hot passions, hot tempers, but the best he can do in your life, in your family, with your children, is when there is quietness. It's not just peace, quietness. And like we said, peace is not only um, lack of talking. So I can decide to not talk to my husband so that there will be no noise in the house. But that does not mean that we have peace. We could have a state of cold war, like between Russia and America, like we said last, um, last week. So what we're saying is, he said he wants peace, which is from the heart, and also quietness. And verse 10, 1 Chronicles 22, 10, he shall build a house for my name, and he shall be my son, and I will be his father. So God is telling David, this is what's going to happen. This man called Solomon, he will build my house. Then in 1 Chronicles 22, um, sorry, 1 Chronicles 22, 9, when we, he said he will be a man of rest, that man of rest, Solomon, means peaceable. And then, so this is David's vision to have this house built. But he can't build it because God says you can't build it. So he says to Solomon, when David is about to die, he calls Solomon. Scholars tell us that Solomon was about 1820 when he became king over Israel. So let's look at 1 Chronicles 22, verse 11. He already told us in the first few verses we read why he couldn't build it. It didn't stop David from stockpiling rubies, gold, and every kind of precious stone to get that job done. He had architects draw out the plan. It was a very elaborate temple. Everything was ready, but God said, you can build it. So he did the best he could. Then he tells Solomon in verse 11, Now, my son, the Lord be with thee and prosper you, and, and you build the house of the Lord your God as he has said of you. Only the Lord give you wisdom and understanding. So as so, uh, David is handing this over to Solomon, he says you are going to need wisdom and understanding. If you go to verse 5, 1 Chronicles 22, 5, he says, and he's, David is now trying to rally all his leaders, his generals, and he's saying to them, he said in uh, 1 Chronicles 22, 5, and David said, Solomon, my son, is young and tender, and the house that is to be builded for the Lord must be exceeding magnificent. Is that what that one says there? 
Have you ever heard of the word magnificat? And then now when I looked at my hard coffee Bible and it said magnificent, I said, what's wrong with you? Can't you put magnificat in there? The magnificat sounds like, ah. <laughs> Actually, if you look at the Hebrew, it is, there's just no English word that can really translate it. It has to be awesome. It has to be big. It has to be just massive, magnificent, you know, something out of this world. So David is rallying all his national leaders and he's saying, but my son is young and tender and the house that is to be builded for the Lord must be exceeding magnificent of fame and glory throughout all countries. If you look at that in the Amplified, David said, Solomon, my son, is young and inexperienced. He's young and inexperienced, and the house that is to be built for the Lord must be exceedingly magnificent of fame and glory throughout all lands. That is, anywhere you mention this house, this temple, it has to be the best in the world. No one must have heard of such glory in a building. But think about it. So you have this huge house, but you have this very small, um, well, he's not small, but he's 18. So 18, they're just about to go into college, if it were in our time now. They've just finished high school. In fact, if you read commentaries and histories, the way Solomon was raised, Solomon was raised in the harem. He was not... The way they, they set it all up in the Middle East in those days was, you know, the king had his own part of the, um, of the palace, and then the, the wives of the king would raise their, their children. Now, Solomon was almost the, I think he was the last son of King David. He didn't have any other sons. He had Adonijah, he had so many other sons, but Solomon was the very last one. And he was the one God wanted. God didn't want anybody with experience. God didn't want somebody who had gone to school for it. God didn't want any general. God didn't want, God wanted Solomon. And David had to acknowledge, he said, look, I wanted to do it. I have the know-how, but God said, not you. God says, it's you. And I know you are very young and you are very inexperienced. And we can't compare what you've got to what God wants. It's not even what God wants, what David wanted to do for God. But God says he can't build it. So it's this humongous house, humongous temple that the world has never seen before, laid in, inside and out with gold, with precious stones and everything. And God is saying, I want this inexperienced young boy, 18 to 20-year-old boy, to build it. How do you get that done? So David had told his son, he said, may the Lord give you wisdom and understanding. <laughs> so we already know this is going to have to be supernatural. But like we were saying during the offering time, this is not going to happen by God sending angels to come and build. It's going to use humans. And the one person who's going to be in charge of it all is barely just leaving his mother's rooms. He's, I mean, how inexperienced can you be? But that's how God wanted it. So 1 Kings 3, 7, after David had died, and there was um, 
Solomon all by himself, all of a sudden, he's by himself. His father is gone now. They've buried his father. All his older brothers, most of them are mad at him because, you know, his father bypassed them and chose this young, yeah, he was handsome, but what do we want to do with handsome at this point? Why would our father, and you know, um, most people don't think of things in spiritual terms. It's like, who is next? If Adonijah, actually, the first son, had declared, declared himself as king. And that's how the prophet Nathan went and told Solomon's mom and said, Solomon's mom was Bathsheba, the one that David had an affair with and so on and so forth. But that's the one God wanted. The son of that Bathsheba was the one God wanted. For whatever reason, that's the one God wanted. And Adonijah, the first son, declared himself as king. And God said, no, I don't want you. I know in the normal course of humans, the first son should automatically be king. And it was not just Adonijah who declared himself. The generals of the army had declared him and they were throwing this huge party. But God said, no, he's not going to be king and he's not going to build me a house. So these are spiritual things. But what is being done is not a spiritual thing really, per se. What is being done is building just a regular building, albeit the, the most expensive building the planet has ever known. So when you think about it, Solomon is there. Most of his brothers wouldn't speak to him. People who could help him don't want to talk to him. They felt that he kind of, you know, he snuck his way onto the throne. And nobody was there when God was speaking to David and telling him it's going to be Solomon. So he's got all these people walking against him. And it's like you're getting a promotion at work. As far as people are concerned, you don't deserve it. You have the wrong gender. Why you as a woman should be put in that position? Are there no other men who can do it? Or you are so young, you were only hired two years ago, and suddenly people who have been there for 20 years, they bypass them and put somebody else. And it's you, and it's like, what does he know? Well, this is not the ordination of man, it's the ordination of God. And so, so uh, Solomon, after his father had gone, he, he kind of, so he took a deep breath and he looked at the walk and he said, I'm in trouble. <laughs> I cannot do this. So when you go to 1 Kings 3, 7, Solomon is praying here on a bunch of burnt offerings and so on. And it says, now, O Lord, my God, you have made your servant king instead of David, my father. Let's read it in the Amplified. It's better in the Amplified. And now, O Lord, my God, you have made your servant king instead of David, my father. And I am but a lad in wisdom and experience. I don't know how to go out. I don't know how to begin this. And I don't know how to finish this. So it's not just that David told his son that you are inexperienced. You don't have this. But you are going to do it anyway. After everybody had gone, and it was just Solomon, and he's looking at the work, he's saying, I am toast. I can't get this done. This can't be, I can't get it done. I can't get it done. So he tells God that. 
And so what we want to look at today is how did God help him? Because he did get it built. It was the biggest thing the earth had ever seen. People came from all over the world, and he was still 18 and 20. He did it in less than two years, and he was still 18. So Max, he was 22 by the time he was done. How did he get it done? So let's look at 2 Chronicles 1 from verse From verse 6, I'm going to read it very quickly, quickly to 12, just King James. And Solomon went up there to the bronze altar before the Lord, which was at the tabernacle of meeting, and offered a thousand bond offerings on it. One thousand, not a hundred, not ten. One thousand bond offerings. He offered it on the altar. One of the first things I'm going to say, it's not even in my notes, I'm going to say this to you very quickly. You want to push yourself up supernaturally? Never joke with your offerings. And I'm not talking of tithe. Tithe is already a given. If you're not paying tithe, you've already removed yourself from a lot of prosperity and, you know, that one, we don't need to talk about that. But I'm talking of offerings. It came a point in time, (laughs) I have to be careful with some of these personal testimonies. It came a point in time, one time we gave so much. We gave so much as our family that we didn't even know what we were doing. We gave so much that it, it was ridiculous. We told our children, said, you know what? We have given so much this particular year that all I, we can tell you is this. We are in for a huge bumper harvest. So I want to tell you that. See, I'm talking about wisdom, engaging God's wisdom in the workplace or marketplace. If you want to catapult yourself, you want to move yourself from A to Z, from 0 to 100 in five seconds. Not follow that ladder the way they have put it. You know how they, you go wrong one, wrong two. You want to start from wrong one, and all of a sudden you're on the 50th wrong. And everybody's looking at you like, how come? What's going on? How, how is she able I am telling you, become an extreme giver. I can't give you details. All I can tell you is, this is how we live. Become an extreme giver. Be an extreme giver in the kingdom of God and be an extreme giver outside of what we call the church. When you see issues that need help, it's not so much the amount but the heart. So all you have, see, I may have 20,000, you may have 200. You may give all your 200, I may give $50. Who has given more? The 200. Or maybe I even give 1,000, but I have 20,000. But you have 200, you give 200. It's a percentage. These things, God deals in percent. That's why I say 10%. Percent is never the amount, it's percent. I want to say, if you are in the marketplace and you want to increase yourself in a serious way and you want to get yourself quickly up the ladder so that people, you know, people are swinging their heads like that. Be an extreme giver. Because like we told our kids that year, it didn't take but two months. The following year. (laughs) Oh my God. 
Only God knows what I'm telling you today. Become an extreme giver. Don't hide. Don't hide whenever there's an opportunity to be a blessing. Above all, first, the kingdom of God. Because God is very passionate about his kingdom. So here is Solomon. People will do offering, and we're going to talk about, talk about Queen Sheba, so you understand, Queen of Sheba, so you understand what I'm talking about, offerings. There was a time when the Queen of Sheba came, looked at the kind of offering Solomon was given. The Bible says there was, she became breathless. So he gives a thousand bullocks. Verse 7, on that night, God appears to Solomon. He's like, boy, a thousand offerings, what do you want? Do you know you can elicit um, from God just amazement? We all think of God as our big heavenly father who nothing can surprise. You can surprise him. You can surprise him with your giving. This boy, 18-year-old, he already knew he was toast. He knew that nothing is going to come out of him. But the one thing he had was he had enough to give offering. So that which he had, he gave. $1,000, uh, sorry, 1,000 bond offerings. So the, that night, God appears and says, Solomon, ask, what do you want me to give you? You know, God doesn't eat cows in heaven. But what God saw in his heart was this boy can, just loves me. He doesn't have any other thing. He only has offering. But he's giving me the very best he can. So God says, what do you want me to give you? Verse 8. And Solomon said to God, you have shown great mercy to David. So Solomon already had it all planned. If God should by mistake show up. <laughs> if he should just make a mistake and show up. This is my notebook. I, have, I want this, this, this. Because he had judged the situation and he knew he was not up to it. So Solomon said, you have shown great mercy to David, my father, and you have made him king. You've made me king in his place. Now, O oh Lord God, let your promise to David, my father, be established. For you have made me king over a people like the dust of the earth in multitude. He said, now give me wisdom and knowledge that I may go out and come in before this people. Who can judge this great people of yours? Verse 11, then God said to Solomon, because this was in your heart and you have not asked riches or wealth or honor or the life of your enemies, nor have you asked long life, but you have asked wisdom and knowledge for yourself that you may judge my people over whom I have made you king. That is, all you want is just to serve me and get this done right. Yes. He's not looking for money. He's, he's just like, how can I get this done right? So verse 12, God said, because you asked just for what the assignment I gave you. God is very, very particular about assignments he gives to people. In our hustle and bustle in life, there's a tendency to put him on the, on the, on the back burner. And say, so I'll take care of that later. God doesn't look at it that way. He knows you are busy. He knows the kind of world you live in. But he wants you to put him first. He says, seek me first. He says, I'll add other things. 
God has never changed. He didn't change in the time of David, Solomon, Daniel. He didn't change, and he's still not changed. When Jesus came, Jesus reiterated that same principle, said, seek first the kingdom and all other things will be added. He said, because you have sought me for your assignment, which is to the king and shepherd over my people. In verse 12, God said, wisdom and knowledge that you ask for has been granted to you. And it says, then I will give you riches and wealth and honor, such as none of the kings have had who were before you, and none shall any after you have, you have the like. That is, nobody in this world will ever touch money like you will. And we can't go into all that Solomon had because he had so much wealth. But he recognized the fact that he didn't have the wherewithal. So when you think about yourself in the marketplace, you are supposed to do signs and wonders. Isaiah 8, 18, Behold, I and the children whom the Lord has given me, we are for signs and for wonders. I personally never forget this. Everywhere I have walked, whether I was walking in somebody's basement, whether I was cleaning somebody's house, whether I was being nanny to somebody, and I've done it all. I have done the most interesting jobs, if you ever want to know. No matter what it was I was doing, I always remembered that Jesus, my big brother, was a sign and a wonder, and I am supposed to be a sign and a wonder. And I did not let whatever was around me define who I was. Because God already defined me. God has defined you. You are a sign and you are a wonder. So I went into the Hebrew. What is sign? Sign, the Hebrew word is oath. It means something to describe and awe inspire. You should inspire awe. Your life should inspire awe. <laughs> ah, I can't say too much on television. But your life should inspire all. When you leave a place, a job, or wherever you change, people should be wondering, what are we going to do without you? What a vacuum. How are we going to fill this space? Who has such kind of wisdom, energy, and ability like this? They should feel that they're losing something. One job I did, they had quite a few people reporting to me. And I will say to them, no, we got to get you moving. You can't come in and just sit down there. We have to get you into management. We have to get you into this. We have to get you into that. And I start working with them actively to get them into where I believe. I don't care whether they're black or white, male, female. You can't be under me without you moving. You cannot be on one spot. You cannot report to me and be on the same spot you were one year before. Otherwise, please move. Give her another manager. I need mobile people who want to go. Because I'm not staying and I don't want you way behind me. Let's go together. And I don't care whether you're Christian or not. But by the time you leave, everybody will be crying. Because we're supposed to be a sign and a wonder. A wonder is when you are like a phenomenon. You are there and people don't know what to do with you. It's just that they don't want you to not be there. Things that have been bothering them for a long time, you suddenly have solutions to. And to them, it's like, that's rocket science. I say, no, it's not rocket science. 
we just do this, we do this, we do this. I said, huh? That's it? Yeah. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. It's not that hard. Well, do it for us. It's okay, I can. Guess what comes with you being a sign and a wonder? Promotion, just like that. But where does it come from? It's not your brain. It's the wisdom from God. It's supernatural. One thing I cannot abide is for Christians who are already signs and wonders by definition to be ordinary in the workplace. You cannot be ordinary in the workplace. If you are ordinary, you are not downloading God's wisdom. You have to be a sign. Everybody say, I am a sign and I am a wonder. I am a jaw dropper. I'm not saying it like this. I am a jaw dropper. You know what it means for jaw dropping? Is that, hey, ah. So Solomon was a sign. By the time he finished building that thing, they couldn't. It's like, and I'm going to stop with Solomon. There's so much to say, and we'll come back to it. But let's read about Solomon and the queen of Sheba. 1 Kings 10, from verse 1. Let's read it in the Amplified. 1 Kings chapter 10, verse 1. This is who we should be, and it's the wisdom, the supernatural wisdom of God is what puts us in the place to be it. So, when the queen of Sheba heard of the constant connection of the fame of Solomon with the name of the Lord, she came to prove him with hard questions. She came with problems and riddles. So she came to Jerusalem with a very great train. Now, this queen was extremely wealthy. She came to Jerusalem with a very great train, with camels bearing spices. She came with very much gold, precious stones. When she had come to Solomon, she communed with him about all that was in her mind. Solomon answered all her questions. There was nothing hidden from the king which he failed to explain to her. When the queen of Sheba had seen all Solomon's wisdom and skill, when she had seen the house Solomon had built, that is Solomon's own personal palace, and then the, the, the temple. Then when she saw the food of his table, the sitting of his officials, the standing at attention of his servants, and even what the servants were wearing. Just read this with me. When she saw the food of his table, what they were eating, and if you have time, go study Solomon. The, kind, the number of animals they kill every day to put food on them. He had a feast all the time. The food of his table, the sitting of his officials, the standing at attention of his servants, their apparel, his court bearers, his ascent by which he went up to the house of the Lord, or the burnt offerings he sacrificed. Remember I was telling you about that burnt offerings. This was a heathen queen who came and was just looking at all this. The Bible says she was breathless and overcome. She was breathless and she was overcome. The easy-to-read version says she was so amazed she could hardly breathe. 
Message translation says, verse 5, it took her breath away. Some people say she fainted. It's like, ha! So how do you, how do you amaze a billionaire who's already a billionaire several times over? Remember when she was coming, she was coming with wealth, train of gold, spices, rubies, precious stones. How can you amaze somebody who cannot be amazed? You know how sometimes you want to give somebody a gift and you don't know what to give them because they already have everything? That's like Queen of Sheba. But the Bible says she became overcome. It's like, ha. That's what I call jaw-dropping. She lost her breath. That's what God's wisdom did in the life of Solomon. So in verse 6, she said, she said to the king, it was a true report I heard in my own land of your acts and sayings and wisdom. I did not believe it until I came and my eyes had seen. Behold, the half was not told me. You have added wisdom and goodness, exceeding the fame I heard. Happy are your men, happy are these your servants, who stand continually before you hearing your wisdom. Blessed be the Lord your God, who delighted in you and set you on the throne of Israel. Because the Lord loved Israel forever, he made you king to execute justice and righteousness. Okay, watch. Watch verse 10. What did she do? And she gave. Why do you give somebody? He already has. But she couldn't help herself. It's like even if I can just add a little tiny bit to your wealth. Let, let me too say I give you something, even though I know you don't need it. And she gave the king 120 talents of gold and of spices, a very great store and precious stones. Never again came such abundance of spices as these the queen of Sheba gave King Solomon. The guy already had so much. I don't even know where he will put it. Maybe they have to go build, you know, storehouses again for that. So when you think about that, he had so much. But he didn't ask for that. That's not what he asked for. What did he ask for? Wisdom. So it is key. And we're not able to get into the details of it. And I trust God, next time we come to this, I'll be able to show you how we do wisdom in the marketplace. But suffice it to say today that you should be different. You, should be, you shouldn't be extraordinary. Your life should be jaw-dropping. And the one thing you need is God's wisdom. Amen. When you have God's wisdom, is so much higher than the world's wisdom that you suddenly become like a god to them. That's how you are. They, they can't handle you. They can't but promote you. They can't hold you back because you're the only one who's got the solution. This is how that works. Anytime people think of it, first when they want to promote, they start to look at it. People don't do it consciously, but they do it. They look at your race. I don't think they sit down to think we don't want to promote you know, somebody of color. I don't think anybody really sits down to do that. I think the world in America has moved past that. But subconsciously, they're thinking about it, and they don't pick you first if you are someone of color. It, this is a fact. And then they look at your gender. And they're like, no, we need a man. 
and then they look at your age, or maybe you are too old or you are too young. But then they look at who can get the job done, and you're the only one. What can they do with that? There's nothing they can do with that. What can they do with that? Whatever you ask for, they'll give you. Whatever salary you insist on, they'll give you. I am telling you for a fact. <laughs> because you are the only one who can do it. So next time we talk, we're going to talk about where does education come in, where does skill sets come in, where does supernatural wisdom that cannot be learned, where does it come in. All of them, God has different ways of handling it. I'm trusting God we can get into that. But suffice it to say today that you have been made a sign and a wonder and a jaw dropper. Say, I am a jaw dropper. Let's stand to our feet this morning. Let's stand to our feet. This was just to encourage you to get you going, to put some fire in your wood and say, come on, my life ought to be different. I ought to get things done. And it has nothing to do with my age, with my gender. It has nothing to do, you know, from where I come from. It all has to do with the wisdom of God. Can we reach out to heaven this morning and reach out for that wisdom? Say, Father, I know I don't have what it takes. I ask for your wisdom. I ask for your wisdom, Father. Child of God, before we round up our prayer, I want to say, please make a point of duty in the morning. I don't care what, what time you do your own quiet time or prayer time, but before you leave the house, just ask him, say, Father, please give me your wisdom for today. There's a wisdom set apart for that particular day, not the one from yesterday and not the one for tomorrow, but for that particular day. And say, Father, I ask for supernatural godly wisdom. My heart is fixed on you. Walk through me as a vessel today. Do that every morning, every morning before you leave the house. Thank you, our Father. We did ask, Father, that you speak to us this morning, and you did. We did ask you, Father, that you open the eyes of our understanding. We did ask, Father, that you reveal your heart to us, and you did. Now, Father, we receive your word, and we'll walk in your word. We ask, Father, that this week will be different, that we will see your hand in our lives. We will experience the practical wisdom of God in whatever we lay our hands upon to do that you will prosper us and you will make us a sign and a wonder. You've already declared that that's who we are. Now, Father, we're asking in practical terms that you show forth and show out through us. Help us to be the solutions to people's problems. Elevate us. Accelerate us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Did you get something? Yes. Lift your hands. Give God praise. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you. We thank you. We thank you. We thank you. In Jesus' name. Let's join our hands to the person next to us, and we're going to share the grace. Amen. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the sweet fellowship of the Holy Spirit rest and abide with us now and forevermore. Amen. And surely, goodness and mercy shall follow us all the days of our lives, and we shall dwell in the house of the Lord 
forever, never. Amen. Praise God. Have a blessed week. Amen. Okay, I'm going to now.